This is Saturday, May 20th. Do you realize that the hope of the church is found in God's grace? Your hope is found there too. I remember years ago receiving a call from one of the deacons at the church I was serving at the time. He invited me to lunch and as we sat together, he confessed an affair that tore through two families in our church. He had invited me so that he could confess and repent of what he was doing and seek wisdom and support and peace for the long way home. I couldn't have been more shocked at what happened and completely caught off guard. I remember one person telling me that blank happens. And you know that word that fills the blank. But I remember telling him that grace happens. You see, the surprise in our lives is not that we fall or fail, not that we make a mess of things, not that we sabotage the good gifts that God gives to us and blow up our lives and the lives of others. It's that grace happens. God provides a way of healing. Here's our text for today, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now these are some of the opening words to Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. And as we dial down into them, we find them more shocking than that meeting I had all those years ago. And here's why. If you read this letter to the end, you find that the church in Corinth was a mess. First, there was a fight going on in the church over which leader to follow. A new and powerful teacher had been serving the church in Corinth, and many claimed that he was the real deal, not the Apostle Paul. Of course, Paul doesn't take the bait. He refuses to fight over this. But the people are all divided over this. Then there's more. There was a deep moral sin in the congregation. A man was having sexual relations with his stepmother. This was a disgraceful practice, even for pagans at the time. Then there were others using the gospel as a license for sexual expression outside of, their, outside of marriage. Then there was a misuse of the most sacred practice of worship. You see, when they were celebrating the Lord's Supper, there was disrespect and disharmony. Really, you'd say? There were people misusing their spiritual gifts and dividing the fellowship. Perhaps the worst of all, there were some in the church that said Jesus never rose from the dead. But there's more. But I'll stop there. Now, over the years as a pastor... I've heard many people say that they wished our church could be more like the early church, so on and so forth. Clearly, they don't know about the church in Corinth, or really any of the other churches. Would we want to be like this church, really? And that brings us to the power of the passage I read. Paul thanks God for them because of the grace God had given to them. Paul says that they do not lack any spiritual gift. 
He has confidence that God will keep them firm and faithful to the end. And you would read this and say, how could Paul have this confidence? How could he be op- How could he, in this letter, express such open gratitude to God for them? It's not because they're a healthy church. It's not because they've gotten things right, because they've gotten so much wrong. It's because he knows God, and he knows the grace of God. Paul knows that the God that called them to faith in Jesus will sustain them, and that the grace of God is enough to heal the deepest of wounds, change the hardest of hearts, and redeem the messiest moments. He knows this because he's seen the gospel at work in his own life. He'd lived a life of violence and pride, of anger and self-righteousness. But Jesus came to him. Jesus loved and redeemed him. You see, in each of the cities he has visited carrying the gospel of grace, he's seen people brought from darkness to light. He's come to trust in the power of the gospel, the grace of God to redeem us and to retrieve us and to restore us. That's why I knew that day when I heard that man's confession that this was also a moment of hope, that God was working and that grace would open the way for life to come. That's what I think about when I think about our church. We're going to always have challenges. Ours aren't the same as those in Corinth, although we may see some of these appear through the years. But we remember that our hope is not that we will get things right. We won't, and we don't. It is that God's grace never runs out. God will continue to guide. He'll correct us and encourage us. And by His Spirit, He'll provide the gifts we need to grow. And that's why Paul could speak with such hope to a struggling and wayward church, not out of confidence in them, but in the God that pours out grace on his people in season and out of season. And you know this is true for each of us. We rely not on our strength or faithfulness or even our love for God, but we know and rely on God's love for us. And it is this grace that empowers us through all that may come against us. And it also makes it possible for all the church does, from worship to community to our serving and our giving too. Let's pray. God of grace, we rest in your love at work in our lives. Thank you for retrieving us when we wander, for sustaining us when we're weary and tired, for empowering us to face what lies before us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.